0: For the ones who get it done The Celtic Exchange A fresh insight on Celtic Football Club Hi folks, this is Tino and today I'm delighted to be joined by ex-Celtic striker Simon Donnelly as we look ahead to the upcoming Glasgow Derby with Rangers at Ibrox Celtic into this one with a 9-point lead and a 20-goal advantage in the Scottish Premiership are in in seriously good form, but you just never know how this kind of game can go. Simon, great to have you here and thanks for joining us. How have you been enjoying the football since we get back from the World Cup break?
1: Yeah, it's been a weird season. I thoroughly enjoyed the World Cup, uh, but then when I was sitting watching Celtic at Petaudry, it very much felt like a new season again, even though we're halfway through, or not quite, but yeah, it felt all new again and a new experience for everybody. But yeah, great to see the team bounce back. I don't think the first two games they had found a rhythm, you know, a difficult game at Putaudry, mm-hmm. made difficult by, you know, a negative performance by Aberdeen, a lot of bodies behind the ball. And, and then I think Ange with the Livingston game wasn't completely happy but six points in the bag, which is the most important thing. But I think the, the two games since then, they've hit a bit of form, they're scoring goals again. So, you know, it goes well for for uh, Monday.
0: Yeah, I thought they were excellent against Tabs on Wednesday, and I know you were on the, the co-coms on Celtic TV. Is anyone standing out for you at the moment? Obviously, Callum McGregor being back is a huge bonus, but anyone else making the headlines for you?
1: Uh, well, uh, yeah, I think you quite rightly point out Callum coming back into the team. I think they, they, they coped well without him, but you know, he's the leader, he's the, the skipper. Uh, so it was great to have him back. Kyogo has scored in the last three, I think, now. Uh, and I thought I had a great game on Wednesday uh, against Tibbs. I really think he has taken a real boost from his... I watched him in the World Cup. I thought he was excellent for Japan. So I think he... I think watching the gaffer, you know, reacting to his goal the other night with a huge smile on his face, you very yeah. rarely see that way. And so I think... And he, he went out his way to see after it how a team player, how much of a team player Maeda is. So, mm. Hatati had a fantastic game at right back as well on the, on the weekend. So, yeah, they're just beginning to click, pro- hopefully at the right time.
0: Yeah, I think um, that first half against Hibs almost summed up Maeda in, in 45 minutes. Some amazing stuff, some maybe yeah. questionable stuff. And you know, he's, he's hit the crossbar with the diving header, hasn't he? And then 60 seconds later, he's done a... Messy esque you know, picks it up deep inside their half. Sorry, just inside their half and the amazing, the great finish. The look from Ange, wasn't it? It was kind of incredulous you know he kind of rubbed the face and he was yeah. laughing at it but I think as you say, several guys are finding great form Kyogo I think he's 14 goals in 17 league games and absolutely augurs well for Monday just a wee bit of breaking news as well Celtic confirmed this morning that Tomoki Iwata is the latest January signing with a 25 year old defensive midfielder arriving from Angie's old club Yokohama Marinos he joins Yuki Kobayashi and Alistair Johnson as the latest recruits and it's good to see Celtic building Simon from a, a position of strength
1: It is, and you look only to this time last year, when the likes of Hitati and that came in, I really thought that gave the squad a boost, I know they went into the Rangers game and did really well, but I think just O'Reilly and that coming in, I think, it really gave them that energy to kick on, to to go and win the league, and I think this is Angie's style, you know he's always a, a, a window ahead, he knows what he wants, and... You know, I watched the guy Johnson at the World Cup as well. I think he can play right centre back as well as full back. You know, so it's 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 good to see these guys coming in. I don't think that's the, the the end of it as well. This mm-hmm. transfer window, so it's it's exciting times for. I mean, if you're looking at it from a, a fans' point of view, and the way the recruitment has went and how it's improved the team since hands came in, everybody's looking to the next window. Everybody's excited. What what else is he going to bring in?
0: Mm-hmm. How does that feel as a player? So you've been there yourself, in you know competitive Celtic squads. What was the vibe when someone comes in in your position? You know, I suppose it can go one or two ways. Does it motivate you to try harder, or is it you know maybe do you think maybe the manager doesn't rate me anymore? How do you how do you respond? It yourself? has
1: to motivate you. It has it, a team like Celtic, a club like Celtic. It has to motivate you. If it doesn't, then you'll probably find yourself not long at the club. Uh, it's a challenge every year. I can speak from experience how as a young kid getting into that team trying to establish yourself and then thinking, yeah, I'm in the team and then they go and sign De Canio or they go and sign Ivan Hoidon or a or players of that ilk. Mm-hmm. But I look at it the other way. It's a challenge to get yourself in that team, but these guys also enhance the team and they enhance you as well. You're working with them day in, day out. So I think it's a challenge. I only look to Greg Taylor this year. You know, he's, he's kicked on again and I mean, Greg will only know himself, but I think maybe, you know, Bernabeu coming in he's looked at it and thought, you're not getting my jersey. Yeah. You know I have to lift my, my, my levels up. And I think that's what Ange wants throughout that starting the living. He wants them not resting on the laurels. So it's a challenge. It's a, it's a challenge to the player in that position. But if everybody has the right mindset, then... The, the team move forward.
0: Yeah, he's huge on guys not getting comfortable or complacent and, you know, these signings will make sure that everybody's kept on their toes. Before we get started with the big match preview, Simon, just want to catch up on some of your, I suppose, memories and experiences of, of the Celtic Rangers game. So you played in a, a number of these fixtures during your time and I was going to ask, what's the, what's the vibe like in the days leading up to the game? Is it is it something, you know, quite tense? Did you get nervous yourself? How did you feel? Uh, it's
1: the, the, the stupid thing that I remember is people trying to get tickets for the game. <laughs> having to deal with that is is something in itself, but I think it is a bit chaotic and I think it kinda builds up throughout that week. In terms of nerves I mean I, I made my, my 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 debut in that fixture, I think I was nineteen at Ibrooks and I was excited. I don't I don't really remember having Many nerves, and people have said, "You know, you're 19, going into Ibooks against Rangers." But I'd, I just enjoyed it, and I was excited about the whole thing. Uh, and these are the ones that, over the the years, people remember. So, thankfully, I was involved in not too many ones. I must admit, because Rangers at the time were very strong, but we had a few. Uh, there was one at Ibrox as well with mixed there and Collins, so some good memories there.
0: Mm-hmm. I was going to ask, there's one in particular I was keen to ask you about, so as we know there's only going to be around about Celt- uh, 700 Celtic fans in attendance on Monday and one thing I was going to ask in general was how is it to play in such a volatile atmosphere but you actually played there in, I think it was April 94, when all Celtic fans were banned, this was a a David Murray inspired move at the time and we're not getting the politics of that but. How was that? Zero Celtic fans in the stadium and Celtic take the lead around about 25 minutes in, a John Collins free kick, which I think you won the free kick. John Collins has got the Predators on, curls it around the wall. 1-0 Celtic. Complete silence.
1: What was that like? Surreal. Surreal, but at the same time, I hadn't experienced anything different, you know, because that was my first. Hmm. But I remember the place falling deathly silent and you could only hear us you know, screaming like kids because John had scored. And you could maybe hear the bench <laughs> celebrating as well. But out with that it was it was really, really weird. But again, from what I remember from it, it's that long ago, I, there was there was something in our team you know, we knew we were there representing Celtic, we knew the fans were right behind us, albeit they weren't there. Mm-hmm. We had the, the the plane flying across yep. with a message as as we warmed up it probably gave us something else, you know, an an extra gear to just, or determination, you know, to go there and try and get a result and and we probably should have on the day. I think it was Mm. a deflected Michelechenko goal late on that got Rangers on the point.
0: Yeah, it'd have been nice to take all, all three points at the time, but good result considering the circumstances. You played with a lot of very experienced guys at Celtic. You've mentioned a couple there. John Collins, Paul McStay was on that side. Beyond that, Paul Lambert, Henrik Larson. How were these guys in the lead-up to a Celtic Rangers game and how important was their experience? I'm sure I can just imagine a guy like Henrik Larson would be very calm, but would others be a bit more animated in the, the build-up?
1: I think, going back to earlier... Uh, like Sir Peter Grant uh, would probably be very vocal in the dressing room, guys of that character. Paul McStay, for me, you know, a great leader, but kind of led by example. You know, he'd have a quiet word with the young guys, like myself, always looked out for for uh, the young guys. But probably Peter Grant would be, you know, the one that would be, he'd be a bit more vocal and lead up, particularly the hour before the game.
0: Yeah, I can imagine and just must be, you know, have been great as you say, 19 years of age and looking around that dressing room, Paul McStay being the absolute epitome of Celtic and and leadership. So it must have been a great experience for you playing under those guys. In terms of the format for today Simon so looking ahead to the big game what we'll do first of all we'll look at the form of both sides heading into the game we'll then discuss what we think the starting lineup might be from a Celtic point of view and any big decisions that ange has got to make we'll also cover what impact VAR and the referees may have on this one and this is going to be an interesting one it's the, the very first time we've seen VAR at a Glasgow Derby so what could possibly go wrong and finally we'll finish off with scoreline predictions and what impact the result could have in the context of the season so, to get things started, as I say, we'll look at the form of each side, but we'll start with Rangers. They obviously took the opportunity to let Gio van Bronckhurst go during the World Cup break, and they've replaced him with the very inexperienced Michael Beale, or at least inexperienced in terms of managerial time in the game. Since his arrival they've won all four of their league games against Hibs, Aberdeen Ross County and Motherwell scoring 10 goals in the process. Overall they're on 45 points from 19 games and sitting 9 points behind Celtic in the table they've won 14, drawn 3 and lost 2 of their 19 games have you seen much of them since the break Simon and what
1: kind of impact do you think Michael Baila's had? I've seen bits, I've seen bits of them i watched uh, I watched the Hibs game where they, they went behind in the game they looked, you know, uneasy. I, d- I don't think they had two familiar centre-backs playing. That's changed in the last two or three games. But they, 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 they finished the game strong. You know, they got the result that they needed uh, turning that game around in the second half. And y- you have to give them credit. You know, they've come back and they've won their four games. You know, and I'm sure that would have been the target of Michael Beale coming in to have the gap at least at nine going into this game. And, and that's what they've achieved. You can only take from that that they'll, they'll have a bit of confidence getting into the game and he's changed the shape a, a little bit as well but I really think you know and, and I know Angel will be going around, it's, it's really what Celtic are doing at the moment you mm-hmm. know they've, they've probably come back with the same remit let's get into that game at least nine so nobody's flinched yet so it's it's a, mm-hmm. it's a big one Monday
0: yeah, and it's interesting you say that in terms of how Celtic approach and how Ange approaches it. We've spoken in our show several times about whether it's Rangers, Real Madrid, or Wraith Rovers. Ange doesn't change, and I'm sure you know between him and his support staff, of course, they'll scout the opposition and look at their strengths and weaknesses. But by and large, Celtic approach games pretty much the same way, whoever they're playing. I was going to say that in terms of Rangers, for me, one of the biggest problems I think is they've got a number of guys. Who to a huge extent look like they just don't want to be there. entering on you know later stages of their contract, guys like Morelos and Kent spring to mind. And I was going to ask again from experience what kind of impact that can have on a dressing room. I'm thinking of guys like DeCano and Van Huydonk who angled for moves you know towards the end of their time at Celtic. And is that something that can affect the team spirit? And without maybe discussing it between each other as players, it is something you'd be well aware of as a teammate?
1: Only if they're not doing it. Mm. Only if they're not doing it. And I think you know. Morelos They've questioned His fitness recently I know he's He's scored a couple of goals In uh, Kent You know I think Kent's got a lot more To offer as a player But I think Whether it is Looking for a move Or playing within himself I don't know you, you, I can only Really refer to the players That I, I worked with Your De Cano's And your Van Hoydonk's And I know they had disputes With Celtic at the time And, and problems with contracts And whatever it was their, their performances I, I don't think dipped you know as long as they were doing their job which from my memory you know nine times out of ten if it was a bad performance it wasn't because they weren't trying mm-hmm. uh, they were terrific players and if the guy is doing the job it's very much like I compare it to like a, a, the Cantona at Man United how he was treated differently from everybody else with mm-hmm. Fergie but if he does his job the team will not caring
0: yeah but there's a lot of chat we Spoke to Martin O'Neill recently, which was great, and he was talking about Henrik Larsson and Aunt Chris Sutton jokes at times that yeah he, they, they come in struggling at half time Everyone, you you need to do this, and you do <laughs> yeah. this, Henrik. Um, you just keep doing what you are doing, son. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything's fine, and it sounds and that's like
1: management that. though. It's it is, it's management and and dealing with different characters in your in your in your squad because there is. I mean, we, we just touched on it there with like say Peter Grant or Paul McStay. Totally different characters within the dressing room, uh, and yeah. Henrik was always doing it, so uh-huh. you know Martin. I've, I've heard sort of talk about that and how he used to probably pull uh, Henrik's leg and how he was treated. But I would say ten out of ten, Henrik always did his job.
0: Yeah, the, the numbers back that up. Um I've just wondered though if, if, from a Rangers point of view, if you're a teammate of Morelos, who you know doesn't look you know sharp as as he could be, Ryan Kent not providing the numbers that he should be. I wonder if that's maybe getting to them team wise. What we've seen as well, they've chopped and changed a wee bit recently. Um, you'd mentioned there that their centre halves are back in place, so Goldson and Davis returning from injury. Who do you think they'll be looking to in a game like this to get a result? Who are their, their danger men?
1: Well, I've, I've, I went on record speaking the other night on the, the radio about Arf- Arfield. I think Arfield, for me, is one that I don't really like seeing in the Rangers team against Celtic because I think he can get beyond. He's, he's popped up with the odd goal against Celtic and I think he gets the fixture. Mm-hmm. I think he gets the fixer I think and he can probably affect people round about him uh, so I'd, I'd probably say him having said that I don't believe he started the last game maybe that's why maybe they've, they've left him out to, to, to play this game but you know without really focusing on it you, you look at the, the Celtics set up and I mean we're going to come to that team and this will be one that I'm scratching my head at because very strong you've got new additions coming in uh, it'll be hard to predict good problems for Ange I would suggest, but I think if you're focusing on range, I would say likes of Arfield. You know, I'd be quite happy not to see him in the team.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying with that, and I suppose the the other side of that question is, who do you think are the obvious weaknesses? And it's not to you know criticise a, a professional, but I think, for example, have given a lot of joy uh, against Barisic in recent times are bad as seems to have the measure of him in terms of ghosting at the back post and doing his thing I think Alan McGregor has passed his best you know 40, 41 years of age is there any obvious weaknesses there maybe the fact that Goldson's just back from injury as well
1: Yeah I think the centre back uh, pairing think, I think the manager will be happy to have them back because it's players that are recognised in that position but as you say Goldson's been out for a, a long period Davis hasn't played a lot of games so yeah you would look at that on the opposite Kyogo's hitting a bit of form very quick, you know, getting to the front post on a couple of occasions recently scoring goals. So I would I would look to that and the obvious one is, and then it leans towards does a bad start because, you know, he's popped up in these games a few times now with uh, crucial goals and seems to have the number on Barisic if it's going to be him that plays it left back.
0: Yeah, that front three for Celtic, it's a real question mark and we'll get to it just shortly, but I think it's any three from six or seven and it's a hard one to predict. Um, Last point on Rangers I suppose was just on their shape and their formation and and how they'll generally approach the game. So obviously nine points behind, 20 odd goals behind, they need to come out at some point. A draw is no use to them really and I suppose if Michael Beale's trying to get the fans on side as well, you know, no better way to do so than a, a win on Monday at Ibrox. How do you see them approaching the game and... From my point of view, I think if they do open up at some point,
1: which they may need to do, that plays right in the Celtic's hands. I think it does. I, th- I think from a Celtic point of view, sitting here, that's what I'm encouraged with. Because they're nine points behind, albeit they've come back and won their four games. You said earlier on about the goal difference. They have to They have to win this game, Rangers. They have to go and win the game. So whatever approach they do, they keep it tight. I mean, the last game that I remember, I think it was Ramsey scored really early. Mm-hmm. A kind of setback, a perfect start for for Rangers, but Celtic really responded well. Uh, were two one up before half time, so it'll be interesting. But I just I, I keep going back to the you know focusing on Celtic and the way they approach it and the way Andrew approach it. I think they'll go for the jugular. I mm-hmm. think they will go because if it goes to twelve, I think it's over. Yeah, it's more or less over.
0: And I think Celtic have made a habit. I think in their nineteen league games and something like eleven of them now they've scored within the first fifteen minutes. It's clearly a ploy you know it's a deliberate move obviously every team wants to score early bills but Celtic really do start with an intensity and yeah I don't, I don't see any reason why they would change that and I think you're right you know we don't really know how to sit back we don't know how to no. play for a draw I mean, as never, much as the
1: game the other night I thought Hibs started the game well the other they night the first 10-15 minutes they had an offside goal quite rightly ruled out but I thought they were offering problems you know uh, the player on the wide left for Hibs yeah. uh, Yuan was causing a wee bit of problems Hitati was getting questioned a wee bit more defensively than they had the game before but they weathered it You know, they just seemed to be able to weather that little 15 minutes and then start to put their uh, pressure on Hibs and get the, their 2 a lot and comfortable before half time mm-hmm. so yeah it'll be interesting to see but 9 points behind Rangers have to have to win this a, a draw's not enough for them either I don't think yeah and I think just as
0: you mentioned that start by Hibs I thought Carl Starfield was a huge part of just yep. calming that down in the first 10 minutes for Celtic and it really played out of our hands after that let's take a look, look at Celtic in a bit more detail then so obviously absolutely flying in the league uh, the one against Hibs on Wednesday was the 12th straight win in the league making it 18 wins overall from our 19 games we've scored 61 goals in those 19 games giving us an average of 3.21 goals a game and we've scored four goals or more in eight of our league games. What do you make of the level, Simon, that Celtic are currently hitting under Ange?
1: It's tremendous. You know, that one defeat domestically in the, in the calendar year. It's incredible. You know, and what I like about it is they, they come back, they win that difficult game at Petaudry where I didn't click into top gear at all. It was a really horrible game, I would guess, to be involved in. Frustrating. But they get the three points. Uh, Livingston, I thought they started Livingston well. Livingston scored just before half time. I thought the second half there was no rhythm to it. What I liked was the post match comments for Fian straight away. That yeah, it was six point, but he wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. He wasn't happy with the performance. That's what I like about this guy. He's just he's he's wanting the result, but he wants the performance as well. He wants he knows what the fans are there to watch, and I think you get a big reaction in the St. Johnson game. It changed it, he brought Forrest and Maeda in, who I thought added a wee bit of energy. Mm-hmm. And going back to what you were saying before, the likes of, if it was Jota, who people would have probably thought would have been the first g- guy on that uh, particular position. All of a sudden, he's watching those two and he needs to lift his game. And mm-hmm. I think that's what Ange wants of them. You know, he'll need to lift his game to get back in the team. And then they had the performance at Easter Road. so. I think they just look strong in all areas. I really do. I th- it'll be interesting to see if these guys, Johnston. I don't. I don't think Kobe Ashe will play, but Will Johnston featured uh, on Monday. Mm-hmm. It's, it's 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 good times for Celtic. It, it, and that was kind of
0: my next question. We've now got quality, genuine quality all over the park and you can pick out any area, including the goalkeeper and there's someone that if, you know, worst came at the worst someone picked up a suspension or an injury you've got genuine quality come in there and how big a part does that play? You mentioned Greg Taylor and the fact that he knows Bernabe's breathing down his neck that brings out the best of him the fact that Tony Ralston and Juranovic have been kind of neck and neck in recent times and it must play a big part in making sure the players raise their levels
1: Definitely, definitely and I, 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 as I said just touching on Jota there at, where he, he, he didn't have a bad game against Livingston, but he wasn't at the heights that he's, he's been at and you know all of a sudden he's he, he's not in the starting 11 for the next game and the guys that are in there are doing the business then you what you, you want, you want I want to get back in there mm-hmm. you know so that that's the environment that I think Angie's created I also think was it Easter Road the other night I think when Jota came on for whoever it you know, he was, congr- was it May that I maybe came on for? I can't remember. But whoever it was, it was a big smile. It, it was, there's a good harmony between the team. Mm-hmm. You know, so where Jota won't be, oh, well, I want him not to do well. He wants to get in the team. But I think they all kind of, they all bounce off each other. And I think this is something that he has created, the manager. Yeah. I go back to Rugby Park, at the start of this season, where they scored four or five. And everybody celebrated every goal. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something that he's brought in. Since he's, since he's been at the, the club yeah. and it's not, a, it's not a small thing that you know, a harmony you, talk, you talked about the year Celtic lost the league I didn't think the harmony was there mm-hmm. you talked about Rangers at the moment with I don't think the harmonies I think that Celtic group is a really strong group
0: Yeah, I think there's no doubt Andy's created a culture there and you can see it and you can't fake that kind of thing you know, no. you can see it and in, in with the the cameras and the behind the scenes and everything you see nowadays in the modern game, you can see just that there's a genuine, uh, dare I say, kind of warmth between the players. You know, they, they all want to see each other do well. Yeah. And Angie's created an environment where it's not just about the 11, 12, even 13. There's about 20 guys there that have got a, a part to play. And you made the great point there, when Celtics score goals, everybody to a man, sometimes including Joe Hart, is there. And mm-hmm. that's, you, you can't manufacture that. That's either there or it's not. And I think there's a real spirit there amongst the team. I've got an interesting thing to point out here Simon so we've obviously now just finished the calendar year 2022 in terms of games In Celtic's last game of 2021 we beat St Johnson 3-1 at McDermott Park Celtic's bench that day wait to hear this (laughs) so Ryan Mullen was a goalkeeper Joey Dawson Adam Montgomery Ben Doak Owen Moffat volleyball and Goalie Ishmael Sorrell that was Celtic's bench and as part of that Joey Dawson had to come on after about 15 minutes for Kyogo who'd picked up a injury or was still struggling with a hamstring injury on Wednesday night the last game of 2022 Celtic's bench was as follows Benjamin Segrist Maurice Jens Jack Amakis Jota Bernabe Oliver Abelgaard James Forrest Rocco Vata and Josip Juranovic that's an incredible turnaround
1: it certainly is it really is and it just goes to show you the, the work and the progress that uh, the manager has done at the club in that that space of time but again, going back to transfer windows, he knows, he seems to know what he wants next. You know, he, he, right, I'm going to go and target that guy. He's already got people in mind. And it just, it does, it just, it goes well. I mean, there's Jota and Yranovic. You would say normally they have been in your strongest Celtic team of, of of late. But, you know, they find themselves, obviously Yranovic come back for the World Cup. But to have these guys sitting there ready to, you know, should you need them, Jackie Marcus who's had great scoring form with Celtic when he, when he's needed last year when when Kyogo was out. Mm-hmm. So it's it, but that's it's a theme as well for Celtic. I cover a lot of the games. You know, you get to the other Martin. He's not shy to you know bring on two, three, four players just to to change it. Whether it's to change something, you know, if the game's not going the way he wants, or if it's just to freshen up and give mm-hmm. the guys Haksabanovic another one who's not featured as much since we came back with a couple of little niggles so it is, it's a really strong squad
0: Yeah the interesting thing about I suppose Angie's signing policy and, and the club's signing policy now in general is that it very much seems to be round holes for round pegs if that's a saying in itself I think previously maybe you know Neil Lennon and to an extent guys like Brendan Rodgers suffered from being kind of given players... We've signed this guy and you n- you now need to find a place for him. I think of what I call a, an agent-led approach previously where you know, maybe guys like Dudu Dahan, for an example, would contact Celtic and say, I've got this guy available, do him? And I know he brought in Leila Bada, which is a great example. There's a number of other examples which aren't so great. Uh Mary and fed getting kind of, you know, put upon Brendan Rodgers, for example. That just doesn't happen now. And it it, it looks, you know, clear that Andrew's saying, right... I need a right back that can do this. I need a left-sided centre half that can do this. I need a sitting midfielder that can do this. And by and large, you know, his there, I think Celtic have seen 20 odd players. And you'd say with the exception of maybe Edigucci's not quite worked out, McCarthy, Liam Scales, it looks like Abogard will go back. But by and large, there's 15, 16 guys who have made a, a serious impact. And I suppose credit to the manager and the club for how they're approaching
1: their business. A huge impact. The majority of those players have made. And you he- I don't think you can underestimate it on the back of that disappointing season where you were asking McGregor, Forrest, just to go back to the the well every time. The same players go and do it for us. Sometimes that does take a a negative effect. They can't just keep doing it. So I go back to maybe my time there when Rangers were strong and then the likes of Tommy Burns was bringing players in. And just bringing players in there that are enhancing the team immediately and that must give your McGregors and the guys that have been there a lift you know he's bringing in quality here for us to play alongside see I don't think you can underestimate you know the immediate impact a lot of those players had and then when it gets to January when you find yourself behind six points maybe or a few points Mm -hmm. behind at that point he's already got this next batch of players coming in Maeda uh, Hatati, or Riley they're not just there to be on the bench, or, or we need to, you know, bleed them in over the next six months. Mm-hmm. The three guys played against the Rangers and yeah. it had an effect, a huge effect. So that must lift the guys that are there as well. So you can't underestimate it, and that's why it comes round to every transfer window. Me as a fan, anybody else are going, who's he bringing next? I want to see the next edition. Yeah. Where is he going to take the team? Is, that, is it going to improve the team even more?
0: The other really encouraging thing is we're now well, at the time of recording 30th of December I have no doubt that Andy's already planning his summer For window. Summer. And that's the thing. The January work, by and large, I think, is done. And yep. we're seeing that. And obviously, Iwata was confirmed today. I think there'll be a couple of others. But Andy's already thinking, yep. who, who can I bring in during the summer? Which is great. I was going to ask just a separate um, question, Simon. You'll have, obviously, as I say, you were covering the game against Hibs. And I'm sure you'll be delighted to see young Rock Ova- Rocco Ovata making his debut at 17 years of age. You played with his dad, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, we sure you played with Rudy. Uh, <laughs> do you have any contact there? Are you in touch with the.
1: Now and again, filming? because. Uh, not so much since uh, lockdown, but with we, we these old Crocs games they, they, they talk about, and it's Rangers-Celtic, so there would be some ex-pros playing for that. either, so Rudy plays in that, so I've seen him over the, the years and bumped into him at Celtic Park at different times, but obviously I've, I've heard about, I've not seen a lot of his son. Mm. That was probably the most I've seen the other night, albeit it was a few minutes. But it's always I've al- always been spoken about from the time he's been at Celtic. Obviously, because he's got the link with his dad and stuff. But by all accounts, a huge talent. And and I did Celtic TV with Darren O'Day at the weekend. They play today in that game at, at Celtic Park. And you know he was speaking highly of the kid. So. Great to see him coming on that. It was a wee bit similar The other night It was the same Celtic strip And it was Easter Road I made, I made my day I made a comment on the night i oh, I was He's two years ahead of the game I was 19 he was, He's 17 So It's great to see boys Coming through like that And if he's got the talent To go and succeed Fantastic it's a, it's a good pathway and it, it gives encouragement to the other kids there so it was great to see him make his debut Yeah I think it's
0: big for a whole host of reasons I think as Celtic fans you're always pleased to see you know somebody come through from the yeah. academy Ciaran Tierney's a huge example but the captain Callum McGregor came through that pathway James Forrest, Forrest yeah. Tony Ralston Stephen Welsh and yet, and if Rocco Vat is the next the next thing, that would be amazing. There's, there was a rumour today which niggled at me that I've Bayern seen, Munich have shown I've an interest. Seen this today. I'm hoping that he'll sit tight. I think Celtic's a great place for someone like Rocco Quinn to develop eh, Vatt, sorry, to develop. And I think Ange is the right manager to bring him through. And if somebody like like Rocco comes through and plays two, three seasons and then kicks on, then good luck to him. That's football, yeah. that's a modern game. But I'd love to see someone of his talent stay around. So it was great to see him get his debut the other night. So let's take a look at how we think Celtic will line up for this one. Um, we can be pretty much 100% sure that Andrew won't change the shape of the system. It'll be that 4-3-3 approach that we've all come uh, to be very familiar with. Goalkeeper doesn't want a discussion. We know Joe start starting goals. Defensively, there's certainly a couple of questions. So first of all, Greg Taylor went off with a knock on Wednesday, which may have been a hamstring by the looks of it. Yeah, I thought
1: I heard... I might be wrong I thought I heard them. Uh, the manager saying he wasn't overly concerned with that one right. so yeah I think he would if he's fit he'll play
0: which is good to hear and I think if that's the case then you're going to have Carter Vickers and Starfield in the middle yeah. he won't break up that partnership and Greg Taylor will sit at left back that's the easy bit Simon <laughs> <laughs> so now we look at right back and it's it's an intriguing one so we've gone with Hitachi the last couple of games you're right he wasn't hugely tested defensively against Johnson got his couple of goals great performance there man of the match and he he did have a test with the the fella Ewan uh at Habs on Wednesday night, but he also went on to have a very good game and he made the great assist for uh, Kyogo's goal. So he's done himself no harm in there, but obviously it's not his natural position. And we've gone from a position of having zero natural right backs to potentially three. So Tony Ralston all going well will be fat I think it's a bit of a back issue he's had. Tony Ralston, Juranovic, who was on the bench the other night, and Alistair Johnson all now in contention. What do you think Andrew will do and what would you do in that situation? <laughs>
1: I've no idea what Angie's going to do. It's, it's, it's a funny one because two games ago when you, Ralston went off, injured, all of a sudden, you know, and, and Johnson was ineligible. They had a, a real problem. So Hatati's kind of filled that hole. I think, I think Juranovic will play. I think Juranovic will play.
0: And I think there's, there's no question he'll be ready. I know he missed the third place playoff, but I think that was a precaution with our a tight calf or something the guy's played at a World Cup semi-final yeah. he's good enough to go and play isn't he
1: yeah and I just think his pace if it's Kent on that left hand side he can contend with that yeah I just I, I, listen I might be completely wrong but I, I, I would I would lean towards Juranovic for right back
0: yeah I, I think a lot would and I think we'd be happy to see him make his return when we move into midfield again I've mentioned Katla that's caused his
1: problems as well now because <laughs> Hitati's it's
0: the knock on effect yeah. so Hitati's now available again in the midfield so I'd mentioned Katla vickers and Starfield they'll I'm convinced they'll stay as the pairing at the back and Callum McGregor will take up the number 6 role and the captain of course and the question is who's the two ahead of that so I'll tell you what I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on that yep. and then you can let me know where you're at so Couple of things at play. Aaron Moy's performance the other night is one of the big factors. I think had that game not happened, Moy would potentially have been an easy one to put in the bench. Now he's given Ange one of those nice headaches to have, where he's scored his first goals for Celtic. His confidence is flying. I think he picked up man of the match. I think Moy's got to play. So I think it's McGregor and Moy and one other. And then the question is: Is it O'Reilly or is it Hattati? I'm a huge Matt O'Reilly fan. Paddy from our show isn't quite convinced at the moment. You know, he's still got you know a bit to go. And I think there's no doubt he's not quite been at his best the last few games. Talented guy, but he's not quite been at his best since the, the return from the break. So for me, it would then be McGregor, Moy and Rio Hattati returning to midfield. What do you think?
1: I'm agreeing with right, okay. <laughs> you. I'm agreeing with you. And I never thought I'd, actually, two weeks ago, I probably wouldn't have said this, but I think Moy had a really good World Cup. I think he's another one that benefited from a really good World Cup. He's came back with a feel-good factor there. I thought he was excellent another night. I'm a huge O'Reilly fan since he walked in the door at Celtic Park. I think the guy has got a right talent. He's probably lacking a goal this year, which is maybe... I know he went on saying he likes an assist as much as a goal, which I did myself, but he's, I just don't think he's at top form. I don't think he's at top form. I think Hitati has been excellent with the two goals for right back. He set up Kyogo with a fantastic assist the other night. I think he will come into the midfield. And um, Yeah, I'm agreeing with me. I think O'Reilly will miss out purely on the performance of Moy and the way Moy went about his business the other night and I just don't think Matt is at his top form at the moment. Mm -hmm.
0: A lot of folk have been debating that online and talking about the fact that by and large, so O'Reilly's still less than 12 months into his Celtic career, he arrived with Hitati and Maeda in January but by and large Ange plays him in the big games, whether that's Rangers games or Champions League nights or whatever and it would be a, a a change if Ange were to drop him. But I think what Ange also shown, um, and James Forrest getting a hat-trick recently, will will verify this, Ange doesn't play the sentimentality card. If he thinks you're not the right fit for any given game, he'll make those tough decisions.
1: Yeah, I think he will. Uh, as I said, w- I w- listen, we can talk about it till the cows come home and I really could start on Monday quite easily and I would have no qualms about it. But I just feel over the last few games since he came back, He's not quite there yet. And it might just be a goal. He's had a couple of chances. The keeper made a good, Marshall made a, a good save the other night. It might just be something like that that kicks him on again. He's been fantastic. But I just think that'll be the three.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. If you thought that was tricky, where do you get to the next part? So we're looking at the front three now. do want you to go
1: first this time. <laughs> you can take the lead. So <laughs> as I say, Some I'm any... not accused of just copying <laughs> At
0: any given time, as I mentioned, Celtic can go with three from a pool of seven players. The seven would be Kyogo, Jakimakis, Jota, Abada, Maeda, James Forrest and Haximanovic. Haximanovic has struggled with a knock, I think it's a foot injury of sorts, so maybe he wouldn't be best place to start, but the other six will all think at some point they've got a big chance and it's such a tough call, you know, Kyogo, as I said, 14 goals in 17 league games, Jakimakis has been brilliant against Rangers, albeit he's, you know, obviously quite in and out of things at the moment Uh, Maeda brilliant on Wednesday great goal Abada loves playing against Rangers Jota is Jota so you know nothing more needs said there James Forrest the most experienced player in our squad where do you start with that?
1: Well, I think it's a fantastic situation to be in because if the three that start aren't clicking or one or two aren't doing it he's got as you say three or four there to immediately change it and keep the levels high I'm going to go with I think Keogh was a certainty I'm going to go with Maeda and Abada. Maeda and
0: Abada. So what, what's
1: your thinking behind that? Well, uh, again, if you'd, if, if you'd asked me for my team two weeks ago, I'd have probably had Jota and O'Reilly in that 11. But I'm just watching game to game. And I thought Maeda, that was possibly one of the best performances I've seen from Maeda the other night. capped to a fantastic goal. Question why he doesn't shoot more often, maybe for that position. Yeah. I think Abada for what we spoke about earlier, what he can, you know, goals in that game and also the problems that he's caused if it's Barisic playing there. Kiogo speaks for himself. I don't think Kyogo comes out of the team. So that's that's why I would go with that three.
0: Yeah, and, and it's hard to argue. I think it's a it's a brilliant three and it's such a, a good problem for Ange to have. It's it's the kind of cliche book here, but he was asked, you know, does this give you a headache? He says, no, the headache is when I don't have these options and I'm, <laughs> I'm having to get kind a of fudge guys in, but it's a brilliant situation. Even, you know, that said, Simon, if, if that's what you think we'll go with, your bench is going to have guys like Jota. Jack Amakis, Haksabanovic, Forrest, O'Reilly, Maurice Jens. It's all oh, right, it's isn't great. it, if you need yeah. to change it up? It
1: certainly is.
0: Um so just to confirm your team, so as I say, 4 3 3, it'll be Joe Hart in goals and Simon Thinks we will go with Juranovic at right back, Taylor at left back, Carl Vickers and Starfelt in the centre. Callum McGregor will stay in the sixth with Hitati and Aaron Moy ahead of him, with Kyogo through the middle and Maeda and Abada either side. And I think most, if not all, fans would be, you know, pretty happy with that lineup. Is it a question, you know, we've touched on it, but is it a question of how aggressively Celtic approach it. They were a wee bit more cautious at the Ibrox game that you mentioned there. So uh, Aaron Ramsey, I think he scored after three minutes before Roger equalised and then Carter Vickers. And Celtic, they were pretty solid all around that day. They were smart at the back and they took their chances going forward. Do you think they'll be quite as gung-ho as we have been recently or do you think they might be a wee bit more conservative?
1: No, I, th- I think he'll just approach it like the other games. I think they'll go there to win. I think they'll go there. I think that game are probably caught, cold And momentum can change in games I mean, you're not necessarily starting the game slow It might just get caught out I think they get caught out in the right back area and, and all of a sudden you're one nil down The good thing from that point of view for me was They responded really well mm-hmm. You know, they, they came back into the game And they were leading that game by half time I mean, they could quite easily, with that kind of start You know, just go from bad to worse uh, the Rangers with their tails up, so they reacted really well. But I, I think, I think they'll go for it. I think they'll go to, you know, bloody the nose of the opponents like they did last year. That game effectively won the league last year. This could probably do the same. And again, just on reflecting of that starting eleven, you know, if there's two or three changes in that to the guys on the bench, I don't think any Celtic fan. Thinks it's any less strong mm. at, at starting eleven. I mean,
0: I think Kyogo went off very early in one of the most recent games. I think it was the, you know the shoulder injury within about five minutes. Yeah. And you see Jack and warming up, and you are saying, no, this is fine." Yeah, you know, it's not like, with all due respect, as I mentioned, Joey Dawson came in for Kyogo in, in that game at the end of twenty yeah. twenty one. It's not like that
1: anymore. No, I think that's the position that they're at now, and it, it's always interesting getting in, if it's to do Celtic TV and looking and seeing what the team is because. You get asked and it's like, it's a strong team, you know, and you always go on social media and something. I want him in, and there's always that debate. But at the moment, when I look at the Celtic starting 11, I'm quite, that's enough, That's, that's good enough to go and win this game because it's such a strong squad.
0: Yeah, I think it could make for a great game as well, so obviously there's no neutrals in this room as such, but the way Rangers have to approach it, the way Celtic are playing, the personnel Celtic have got available it could be a really exciting game, couldn't it? You know, there could be plenty of goals in it.
1: Yeah, I think there will be goals. I think there'll be a lot of goals. Yeah. Just the nature of it, I think we touched on, Rangers have to, Rangers have to win it. I mean, if they, if they draw it, it, do they see that as progress or if not, you know, the gap hasn't got any bigger, it's already at nine Mm -hmm. and it's 20 plus goals, that's an extra point. Yeah. So, and the next uh, fixture would be at Celtic Park, you know, so it's a must win for Rangers and I think that in itself plays into Celtic's hands
0: yeah absolutely we think there'll be plenty of goals but I wonder if any of them will be called off via VAR so as i would mentioned this is going to be very very interesting and, and not in a good bit to be honest with you so in terms of the referees on the day so John Beaton's a ref for Monday uh, this will be his fifth time overseeing a Glasgow Derby Don Robertson's the fourth official on of the day and Willie Collum is in charge of the VAR I really hope we're not talking about VAR at the end of the game but it could be, could be bedlam, couldn't it? Especially if you're waiting three and four minutes for decisions.
1: Yeah, I think the time for decisions as well we've experienced it at Celtic Park in the last two games. It's far too long. Far too long. And Even, you know, having the advantage. I mean, the, the fans are sitting there looking at us. They're not seeing anything. They're waiting three, four minutes. We had the advantage at the weekend. We could see the replays. The two goals... You could see them straight away, Hatati's and uh, St. Johnson's goal. Yeah. You could decide that in 10, 15 seconds. For some reason, it takes longer. Are they looking further back? It, it just baffles me. And I think if you get that at the weekend, I go back to the game that Rangers won, in the, it was the Scottish Cup at Hamden, mm-hmm. with the goal, the winning goal. You could argue it was offside. You know, it was it was it was right on the line. If that, and, and I always remember thinking at the time. Rangers have scored that it's such an important goal in the game to, to, to win the game if that gets pulled back I mean whole hell could break loose you know it's just I just hope we aren't talking about VAR I hope the football takes over and I hope we don't go to something you know where we're sitting there for 3-4 minutes waiting on a decision
0: and that's the thing you know Technology been introduced in sport or football specifically it should enhance the product it should make it better particularly for the you know the paying fans and you're right so I I was in the stands at the St. John's game of the weekend and didn't have the benefit of a TV screen in front of me and that uh, at Rio goal his second goal, it was quite clearly onside. <laughs> the linesman's flagged for some reason, which I don't know, he can maybe explain that better. But you're then sitting for three and four minutes and you're right, you're thinking, right, OK, well, maybe it's not the offside they're checking, maybe there was a foul in the build-up yeah. or whatever. But regardless, you, you just don't know. And yeah. you're sitting for, a, I think it was three and minutes that's plus. And
1: enhancing your experience. I mean, we had, where we are at uh, the studio was, with a lot of supporters turning, you know, yeah, Actually asking them. us to get out of the way so they <laughs> can see the screen.
0: Yeah. But
1: there's there's sixty thousand in this this stadium and most of them are scratching their heads. And and that one in particular, again it infuriates maybe this kind of delayed uh, flag. But mm-hmm. that time he put it up early and, and yeah. it was down the day it was sitting, when he says, Well, it must be well offside because normally though, if it's, you know, debatable or close, they'll keep they'll keep the flag down. Mm-hmm. And yet when you look at it back in the replay, you're like my goodness, it was, it was miles on side. Yeah. He's timed it perfectly. In the past, is perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I also think you're in a situation now where, whether it's the linesman or the ref themselves, they're almost scared to make a decision because VAR might embarrass them and yeah. realizing how bad it was. So they don't make any decision. They let it go to VAR. Yeah. And now the game's not being refereed by the guys who are physically there. It's, it's by guys in the, is it Clydesdale house, you call it? You know, the studio. Yeah. I mean, what, I was going to ask what your impressions overall, you know, are on VAR and, and how it's been applied in Scottish football. Good, bad, somewhere in between?
1: I would, I would maybe soon, but I think there's been a lot of bad decisions went against Celtic with, with handballs. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think the the game I covered, uh, Burnaby, they argue that the ball's going towards the goal. The guy gets up for a header. His momentum takes him up. He's not even looking, and it hits him in the penalty. There's been a couple that bubbled up off O'Reilly. Now I'm not just saying that it's going to just be Celtic because it might. The other games there's been a lot of bad decisions, and maybe fans and clubs aren't happy with them. Uh, it's it's not for me, it, yeah. it really isn't I, I watched the World Cup there where in the first game it went uh, Qatar's way with the VAR and I thought here we go, this is going to... and then I actually joked about it that I think it disappeared halfway through the tournament it was almost as if common sense took over mm. and all these kind of ludicrous decisions and, and baffling decisions from the, 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 the first two weeks of the World Cup they all went away, so you know, it's new in this country for us, but I just—it's it's not for me. It's not for us.
0: I think part of the problem as well is that at the end of the day, whether it's you know VAR play or not, it still comes down to somebody's interpretation, yeah. and that's where the problems have been.
1: Well, the, the one at the weekend with was it a badder? The offside was an interpretation of was the ball getting helped on? Could he see a badder for the pass and? Mm-hmm. and in my opinion he couldn't he was helping it on was it Turnbull helps it on in the yeah. middle of the park he's just helping on into an area if if he can see a bad for there he's got the, the best vision out of us all Yeah. so it is an interpretation
0: I think what you're also seeing is it's getting applied differently in Scottish football and Champions League and World Cup and yeah. the English Premier League and I think just from fans are just you know just to draw a line under it there's just a lack of consistency and a lack of transparency as well yeah. you see sports like the NFL and some rugby stuff where the officials are mic'd up. I don't see, I understand. There's a bit of cost in bringing that in, but I don't see why moving forward we couldn't introduce that. It would certainly take away that a lot of the help. conspiracy.
1: That would help. It certainly would mm. because you you couldn't question because then you could hear. It's I think it's rugby. They yeah. have that when it goes back and you can hear the two guys communicating and pointing out what they're looking at and what they're, they're, they think they're seeing. I think that would help.
0: Yeah, common sense in Scottish football. <laughs> it will never take there's off. No such thing. Um, last question in terms of the officials just any general thoughts on John Beaton and, and as a ref in general so he, he's generally thought to be one of the top officials in the country not necessarily by me but you know that's the word which is why he gets that kind of game and I was going to ask as well Simon as a player did you take much notice of who the ref was going to be was that something that ever played on your mind no no straight no, up
1: no really not uh, and I know that <laughs> there'll be Celtic fans out there from my time you know with a couple of dodgy decisions uh, in these games I can't Somebody was talking about it the other night, the cadet one at Ibrooks. Yes. Where he's on side. But no, I never really went into these games. I was more concerned of who we were up against and who you were going to be playing against rather than the the man in the middle.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And as you said, let's hope that we're not talking about refs and vars or anything like that. Uh, as the game finishes on Monday. Yeah. Time for talking is over Simon We've looked at the form We've looked at lineups, Tactics and everything else in between But now it's time to Put you in the spot And ask for your scoreline For the game What are you predicting And why? I
1: think Celtic are going to win I think Celtic are going to win well I think they've Hit form The last two games At the right time There's guys there That are, are Playing at the top of their form Maeda I think Moy had a really good game At the weekend They're looking strong I'm going to go 3-1 Celtic
0: 3-1 I've gone 3-0 yeah, I think you're overestimating Rangers, but I've gone 3-0. <laughs> I, I think it's similar ideas. I've rarely seen Celtic go into a game in such confidence and in, in with such form.
1: The only thing I'm saying is, in these games, you know, the cliche is form because I remember games where big players missed out either side or a goalkeeper missed out and, and a team was going into it in form. So that's why I've got a 10% there just saying just... Mm-hmm. Camion Jets. But 90%, 90% of me is saying Celtic, if they play the way they've been playing the last two games and perform that way, they should win the game.
0: Did you experience that yourself? You know, getting into one of these fixtures in great form, being the favourite and then losing or drawn?
1: I think a, a few times, yeah. I think, I think that game, my first game, you know, we were probably expected to be rolled over mm-hmm. because we had no fans there and, and Rangers are a strong team, but we dug in and we, we should have won that game. There's nothing really else sticks out apart from games that we thought we had a foothold in and we thought we'd started well and then Rangers would break and score. I think Celtic had a similar kind of hold over Rangers recently in recent times with that one. But there's just, as I say, that that small percent, it, you know, it never ever goes that way always. But yeah. I think it's leaning towards Celtic. They're, they're strong and they're, they're in good form.
0: Mm-hmm. And what about the crowd or, or lack of, as I say, 700-odd Celtic fans there? Um, but it's nothing new to them now, you know. It's, it's. I mean, I suppose I was going to ask as well your take on that in general. It, it dilutes the fixture. There's no doubt yeah. about it. And I think, by and large, most fans of Celtic and Rangers would rather seven odd thousand away fans were allowed to travel. I'm sure you'd agree with that. Yep, yeah,
1: yep. Yeah. It does definitely take something away from the fixture, and I don't understand it. I don't understand it because if it's, it's, it's brilliant. You know, for Celtic fans to be there behind that goal and and Celtic to score and celebrate It's is great. I'd imagine it would be the same for the Rangers fans if, if they scored at Celtic Park. It takes something away. I don't understand. And if, if they think that it gives the Rangers players, you know, an advantage, I don't I don't get that. No. I don't get You're up against the guys on the pitch. And the only thing is, it's taken away the experience of 7,500 fans who want to go to the game. Mm-hmm. You touched on it before we came on about... Maybe feeling intimidated because there's such a small crowd there for, for that game and getting in and out of the stadium nowadays. But it, it just takes something away. I, I would I'd bring it back immediately. I'd have the Celtic fans at Ibrox and I'd have the Rangers fans at Celtic Park. Yeah,
0: I think as well as that, this fixture is is Scottish football's biggest product. And if if we're looking to develop the game and grow the game here, and you know, reach different markets, obviously the Ange factor is you know is has opened us out to Australia and potentially Japan, for example. And I think fans across the globe would love to see this, you know, return to what it used to be. And I'm just hoping that the the powers that be at each side can, can get together before too long and, and sort that one out. So it's one for other people to, to agree on, but hopefully it's not too far away. Um, so if Celtic were to go on and win the game obviously it would put us 12 points clear and a minimum of 22 goals to the good with 18 league games remaining a draw obviously leaves us as you were so Celtic 9 points and 20 goals ahead and a Rangers win would close the gap to 6 points which is still a huge difference in early January Monday I said I was going to ask how do you see things playing out league wise overall so I've mentioned Paddy from our show and Paddy Who's quite a balanced fan, he's he's not as mad as this is going to sound, but he said at the start of the season he thinks Celtic could go on and win the league by around about twenty odd points. What would your take be on something like that without you know asking you or putting you well, in the I spot?
1: Keep, I keep not joking because it is a game at a time, but I keep saying to folk on social media the next game, they were talking about the Rangers game and they were saying, Well, still with the Hibs game. I thought the Hibs game was a big game. Yeah. Because through Easter Road could quite easily slip up there and then you're given a little bit of encouragement, then you're given a little bit more. But the fact that they've just stayed resolute and won every game and won the last two games with a bit of style and some goals scored, I just think it puts them in a stronger position. If, the game, if they win on Monday, for me it's over. Yeah. For me it's over. What happens after that, I think Celtic just keep going stre- from strength to strength. I don't see, you know, they've got the strongest squad, the best squad in the league. So it's it's quite simple for me.
0: The best squad and getting better, you know. Yep. Literally by the day, you know. We've obviously added to that today. Um So three one, Simon. I'll, I'll take that all day long, and I think most fans would accept that. What's your own plans for the game? You're not covering it for Celtic TV or anything no, on this occasion. No,
1: I'm, miss, I'm missing this one out. I'm going to be for New Year with friends and family up to St Andrews, so I'll be taking the game in somewhere up there on Monday.
0: Great stuff. And do you enjoy the the media work in general? I know you do a lot of stuff on the radio as well as the Celtic TV. Is that a, a part of the the game you enjoy?
1: I do. Yeah, I really enjoy. The kind of Celtic TV stuff as well, you know, going in there and you're covering the games, and it always helps when the team are doing really well. So yeah, long may it continue. It's something that I've I've enjoyed over the last few years.
0: Brilliant, great stuff. So listen, Simon, thanks of course for joining us uh, today. We're just about to wrap this one up, and it's been great to have you here on the Celtic Exchange this afternoon. Just finally, I'd be looking for your your final thoughts as we get closer and closer to Monday's game.
1: I think just the excitement is building, and you know the anticipation I think it'll be really interesting we've went over our teams there and what we think It'll be interesting to see what actually is on paper when Ange announces his team on Monday and I'm giving into the game full of hope that Celtic take another three points.
0: Yeah, here's hoping, you're right. So Celtic head across the city on Monday for the first game of 2023 and if recent form's anything to go by, we could be in for a big, big afternoon at Ibrox. We'll be back here with an extended match reaction show on Tuesday but in the meantime, thanks to Simon for joining us here this afternoon and as always, our thanks to you for tuning in. Have a great new year and we'll see you again on the other side. Network.